The following message is from Grace on the Ashley Baptist Church, located in Charleston, South Carolina. For more information about Grace on the Ashley, visit graceontheashley.org. Good morning. So good to be with you this morning. So glad that we can gather together to worship. I hope you've had a good week. Um, Hope it's been encouraging to you. Uh, It's been a big week for my family. Uh, We have... uh, Two of our kids starting college this week. My oldest daughter will start at CSU uh, this coming week, and I took my uh, son uh, to North Greenville just yesterday. And so there's a lot of transition going on in our household. And if you've been through those kinds of transitions, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I'm sure that your week has been filled with things. Uh, and what we need to do now is uh, not to forget about those things completely, but we need to focus on what God has for us this morning uh, through his word, because God wants to speak to us. He wants to encourage us and to edify us, and uh, just pray that I can be used as his instrument this morning to do that. Well, I want to ask that you take your Bibles and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 10. Um, A handout was given to you in the newsletter. You're welcome to follow that handout if you like. Uh, If you don't have that handout, it doesn't matter. Uh, You can just use your, your Bible. We'll be following the scriptures this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. About six years ago, my wife and I moved from the east side of Somerville. We lived in Sangaree, and we moved over near Pinewood Prep. We moved into what was, for us, a new home. Now, it wasn't a new home. It was probably about 15 or 20 years old. But for us, it was a new home. And something interesting happened when we, when we, after we had moved into that home. I was going through the kitchen, and I looked in one particular drawer, and I found uh, a blueprint to the house. Have you seen those before? You know what I'm talking about. So it was about six pages of a very detailed blueprint for how the architect, for how the builder constructed the home. And I'd never seen something quite that detailed before, but I just began to look uh, through it. It was six total pages, a lot of details about everything. Uh, And the point I'm trying to make this morning about sharing that with you is the builder had a plan. The builder had a clear plan that he followed as he built that house, and I'm I'm glad that he did. The house is still standing. We've been in there for uh, more than five years now. But he had a clear plan as he built the house. Uh, He laid the foundation carefully. Um, He followed the blueprint's measurements carefully. Uh, He was careful to use the best materials. He built the house with care. You know, as I think about building with care, building a house with care. I think about this passage that we're going to look at this morning in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 and following. Paul, of course, is writing to the leaders at the church at Corinth, and he talks to them about building. Now, Paul is not talking about a literal building, a literal house or a palace or a construction, but Paul is talking about building the church, and Paul emphasizes the importance of building the church with care. In fact, Paul tells them very carefully here, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, that they must build God's church with care. Why? Because one day, God is going to judge their work. The church that they build, the church that they seek to grow, the church that they seek to construct, they should build it with care because one day God is going to judge their work. Now, Why does Paul tell them this? Why does Paul talk to them about building the church with care? Well, evidently, there were some believers at Corinth 
who were not building the church with care. You see, they were building the church on certain personalities. They were building the church on people that spoke well, who were eloquent, people who were very intelligent, people who had very charismatic personalities. They were building a church on people and ideas and in a way that was not how God wanted them to build the church. And so Paul has to redirect these leaders. He has to redirect this church in general back to the gospel, back to Jesus Christ, back to the wisdom that Jesus alone provides to teach them that they must build the church with care. Now, I don't know a great deal about the history of this church. I don't know a great deal about your ministry prior to COVID-19 when, when you weren't able to gather. But you know, God wants us to hear what Paul said to the Corinthians, and he wants, it to, he wants us to apply it to this church. God wants us to build his church with care. He wants us to build it on the foundation of Jesus Christ, because one day we will give an account for our building. We will stand before the Lord, and he will evaluate our work. And therefore, we should build the church with care. Listen to what the Apostle Paul says, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15. Paul says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation, and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest. For the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Father, we come to that time in the service, Lord, where we look to your word. God, the word through which you speak to us personally. God, this is your word to us. It is inspired by your spirit. And you would have us, Lord, to listen to what your spirit says to the church now. God, that we might be the church that you have called us to be. Father, help Jesus to be lifted high, help Jesus to be exalted, help your people to respond with humility and obedience, God, recognizing who you are and how you would have them to live. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, and he tells them that they must build God's church with care, because one day God will judge, he will evaluate their work. Now, if we wanted to make what Paul says here in this passage of Scripture very simple and distill it down, we could do that. And I want to do that this morning by, by summarizing all that Paul says into three simple statements. Now, Paul says a great deal more, and we could spend, honestly, we could spend hours looking at what Paul has to say. But, but I want to distill it down into three simple statements, and I wanted to share this with you and then see what God does with this this morning in our hearts. First statement, I think, that summarizes well what Paul says is this. The church should be built on Jesus Christ. The church should be built on Jesus Christ. Look again what Paul says in verses 10 and 11. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. 
Now, Paul is reminding the Corinthians that he came and he planted this church. At, he was there planting that church at Corinth in the past. And the foundation that Paul laid was the foundation of Jesus Christ. Now, what does that mean? Well, I think it means that he shared with them all about Christ and how Christ must rest at the very foundation of the construction of the church, and it must be built on Jesus Christ. Now, when we talk about Jesus Christ, we're talking about the person of Jesus Christ. And for those of you who are regular uh, worshipers, those who come into the house of God, to build the church on Jesus Christ may be very familiar, but you need to understand there are people in our society when we say build the church on Jesus, that doesn't register with them. What does that mean? Simply speaking, it means that we look to the person of Jesus Christ and we build this church on who he claimed to be. Who was Jesus? If we look through the Gospels, well, Matthew tells us that Jesus was the Messiah. He was the long-awaited Messiah of the Jewish people. Mark presents Jesus as the Son of God. Luke presents him as the Savior. John's Gospel presents Jesus as the divine Christ, the Son of God. Our culture doesn't understand the person of Jesus. Our culture, in general, isn't familiar with what the Gospels say about him. Now, I've just mentioned the Gospels. I could go all through Paul's writings and tell you what Paul says about Jesus. But if we are to build this church on the foundation of Jesus Christ, we must hold him up as Messiah. We must hold him up as Son of God. We must hold him up as Savior. And we must hold him up as the divine Christ, the one who embodies what God the Father looks like to men and women. That's what it means to lay the foundation of the church, lay Jesus Christ as the foundation of the church, present him as the scriptures present his person, but then also his teaching. If we're going to present Jesus as the foundation of the church, we would, we would share with people what Jesus taught. And how do we summarize what Jesus taught? Jesus taught to love God with your whole being, with your whole person. Jesus taught to love your neighbor as yourself. We live in a culture that they give their whole person and their whole being to loving themselves or to loving the world. And to, to, to lay Jesus, to place Jesus as the foundation of the church, we must redirect people to see that they are to love God with all of their being, not self or not the world. They are to love their neighbor at them, as themselves, not live this selfish, sinful life that is focused completely on what is best for oneself. So as we talk about laying Jesus Christ as the foundation, building the church on Jesus Christ as the foundation, we are pointing people to Jesus Christ. And again, this sounds so simple for you and for me, but I can tell you, you go outside of these walls to where you work, to the people that you interact with, and they don't understand what it means to focus on Jesus, to build one's life on Jesus Christ. To some, the church is just an ethical system, or it's one other religion or it's a tradition that you follow because your parents followed it. But no, we are talking about, when we say build the church on Jesus, to lift high Jesus Christ, his person, his teachings, and ultimately his work on the cross and his resurrection. He died for our sins and he rose again that we might have eternal life. All that Jesus was, all that Jesus is, and all that he taught. Well, the church at Corinth, of course, they were not building the church on Jesus Christ. They were building it on people. Uh, they were attempting to build it on people. And if we look back at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 10, Paul talks about that. Paul talks about how they were misdirected in their, their building on the wrong foundation. 
Listen to what Paul says in chapter 1, verse 10 through 13. He says, I appeal to you, brothers, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and the same judgment. For it has been reported to me by Chloe's people that there is quarreling among you, my brothers. What I mean is that each of you says, I follow Paul, or I follow Apollos, or I follow Cephas or Peter, or I follow Christ. So Paul is, Paul is correcting them there because they are trying to make people the foundation of the church. Now we know who the apostle Paul was. Paul was the one who planted the church. He was the great missionary who planted the church at Corinth. Apollos may not be that familiar to you, but Acts chapter 18 tells us who Apollos was. Apollos was an Alexandrian Jew who was converted to Christianity. And uh, Acts chapter 18 tells us he was mighty in the scriptures, which means that he had a great understanding and knowledge of the Hebrew Bible. It also tells us in Acts chapter 18 that he was eloquent. So he was likely a great speaker, a good speaker, an eloquent speaker. And then we also know of Cephas or Peter, that strong personality, that one who walked with the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Paul is saying there is division among you in the church at Corinth because you are trying to lay the foundation of the church upon people rather than Jesus Christ. And he's saying don't do that. Make Jesus Christ the foundation of the church. Build on Jesus Christ, not personalities, but rather Christ. Have any of you ever been to Italy before? Anybody ever traveled to Italy? Okay, I've just been to the airport in Rome. I think I was there like 30 minutes and then we just transferred. So I haven't, haven't uh, been to Italy before. But you know, if you've ever been to Italy, there's this famous tourist site called the, uh, the Leaning Tower of Pisa. And uh, if you haven't been there, you at least probably know what I'm talking about. The Leaning Tower of Pisa was actually, is actually a bell tower that was tied to a church. And uh, it was built back in 1372. 1372, a long time ago, and yet it's still standing. It is approximately 185 feet tall. Now, this tower is famous because it leans to one side. Probably there are other towers that exist, but they don't have quite the reputation as the Leaning Tower of Pisa. The Leaning Tower of Pisa is, is important because it leans. Now, sometime in the past, when someone, when that builder was building it during the Middle Ages, he didn't have any idea that the ground upon which he built would later shift and give way and that the tower would lean. You see, the foundation was soft, and so the structure did not have a firm foundation and leaned to one side. And left to itself, it would fall. When it comes to the church of God, we must be careful that we have the proper foundation upon which we build, or it will lean this way, or lean that way, or ultimately fall. We must build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. You know, if you look at some of the churches today, they're built upon the wrong foundation. They're built with the wrong purpose in mind as well. Some are built on people. Some are built on someone with a gifted personality, maybe a talent. Maybe they speak well or they sing well. Maybe sometimes they're built on a strong leader or a dominant personality or a wealthy person person who has given a great deal to the church over the years, a winsome personality, a person who holds a great deal of authority and influence. It is just human nature or human tendency to build organizations and even the church upon people, to view them as the foundation of the church. 
Now, God, granted, he, he uses people. God uses people. Through the Spirit's power, God uses people, their abilities, their gifts, to strengthen the church. But ultimately, the church must be built on Jesus Christ. You see, this is exactly what the Corinthians were doing. In their Greek culture, they were enamored with great speakers. They were enamored with human wisdom. They were enamored with with strong personalities. And as a result, they were exalting people, and they were not making Jesus the foundation of the church. You know, I think American culture, we share some of the same traits, some of the same similarities of that ancient Greek culture. I mean, we're influenced by the Hebrew culture, by the Roman culture, but also by that, that Greek culture. And sometimes these strong personalities or these excellent speakers, they can influence us to the degree that we begin to focus on people rather than Jesus. To the degree that we make people the foundation of the church rather than Jesus Christ the foundation of the church. I want to be careful that we don't throw too many stones at the Corinthians because in many ways we share their culture. American culture is like them in many ways. And we have to be careful that Jesus is the foundation rather than people as the foundation of the church. Now, how can you know, how can I know if a church, if in a church Christ stands as the foundation of the church? Well, I've written, I've listed a few uh, things here that helps us to know whether Jesus is the foundation or people serve as the foundation. I think, first of all, Jesus is the focus of all things. Now, I don't mean that we always have to be talking about Jesus with, with every breath, but Jesus is the focus. When you make decisions, Jesus is the one that you're trying to please. Jesus comes into the conversation. Jesus is the focus of all things. Second of all, the gospel is presented regularly. Who Jesus was, who Christ was, what he taught, his death, his resurrection, stands at the center of what is proclaimed from the pulpit or what is shared in the classroom or what is shared in small group studies. Thirdly, leaders submit to the scriptures. They don't place themselves above the scriptures, or they don't place themselves above Jesus, of the Jesus of the scriptures. A lot of times when we see churches go wrong, when we see people as being uh, used as the foundation of the church as opposed to Jesus as the foundation, people will not submit to scripture. They'll rationalize what they do. They'll give some excuse for how they behave. But those who seek to make Jesus the foundation, the scriptures will be that to which they submit to. They will willingly submit to the scriptures. Fourthly, leaders will view themselves as God's servants. And the people who are led by the leaders will view them as God's servants. A lot of times in the church today, we have what we call, what we could call celebrities, Christian celebrities. But if you look at what, how Paul describes himself and how he describes Peter and how he describes Apollos in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, he describes himself and others as servants through whom they came to believe. Be careful when you begin to exalt leaders as Christian celebrities, when instead we should see them as servants, those who edify you, those who strengthen you, those who lead you in the word toward what Jesus wants you to do. I think another, uh, another thing that we should keep in mind uh, to help us keep Christ as the foundation is that uh, the leaders are respected by the people and they're not exalted to the point of hero worship. Now, I'm not saying you can't appreciate your leaders or you can't appreciate a speaker or you can't appreciate the spiritual gifts of someone within the church. But be careful of hero worship of people. Um, I've been a believer for more than 30 years now. 
and some of the heroes of the faith, people who were heroes of the faith to me, some of them I've had the blessing and the privilege to get close to, to get to know. And I've seen in reality they're not heroes. I've seen in in reality there's no reason to worship them uh, because they're just flesh and blood. They're just human. And we get off track. We, We go in the wrong direction. We lay the wrong foundation when we begin to worship people rather than to worship Jesus Christ. And then finally, I'll share this, another, another way that we can help ourselves make Jesus the foundation. At the end of the day, the church needs to look like Jesus Christ rather than the person who is leading the church. Whether that's the pastor, whether that's an elder, whoever that is, ultimately this church and the church of God should look like Jesus Christ rather than the leader's personality rather than uh, someone who comes to speak's personality. Jesus must be at the foundation. We must be careful to build upon him. Well, the Apostle Paul is trying to redirect the attention of the Corinthians, and he's trying to stress to them that the church should be built on Jesus Christ, not personalities, not human gifts, but rather it should be built on Christ and Christ alone. But there's a second statement that I think summarizes what Paul says, and it tells us how the church should be built. Paul says the church should be built with imperishable materials. The church of God should be built with imperishable materials, meaning materials that last. Listen to what Paul says there in chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Chapter 3, verses 12 through 13. Paul says, now if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw. Each one's work will become manifest, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. I went a little bit more there, but I want us to want us to focus on verses 12 and 13 especially because here in these verses, here in verses 12 and 13, Paul will speak of imperishable materials and perishable materials. Basically, Paul will mention uh, three imperishable materials and he will mention three uh, perishable materials. Now, what are these quality, high quality materials? that one might use to build. Well, in ancient times, it was gold. That may be hard to believe, but people actually built built palaces and temples sometimes using gold. It was also silver. It was also precious stones. But then Paul also mentions wood, hay, straw. And so Paul mentions these imperishable materials because the church is to be built using imperishable materials, materials that will last, not materials that will dissolve or not materials that will, uh, that will fall apart after time. Now, why does Paul say this? Because Paul knows that the Corinthians, some of them are using perishable materials to build God's church. Uh, they are building the church through worldly philosophy, philosophy. They are trying to build the church through human wisdom, through human ideas. And Paul wants them to make, take care that they build the church using ideas from the scriptures using the philosophy of Christ, or what Paul calls in 1 Corinthians, the wisdom of God. Now, what specific materials should we use to build the church? Just bringing bringing this home, bringing this to where we are. Well, I think Paul lays out in 1 Corinthians, one, one material that we should use should be the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. We should, we should rely upon the gospel 
as that material that will build the church. Some of the Corinthians were using the gospel, some were not, and Paul wants to direct their attention toward using the gospel as they should. Now look back at um, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. There in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 17, Paul is going to mention the gospel. Paul is going to mention the cross of Christ. And Paul is going to mention power. And then in verse 18, Paul is going to mention the word of the cross, which is the gospel, and then the power of God. Listen to what Paul says. Chapter 1, verses 17 and 18. For Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel, and not with words of eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You see, Paul lays out here in these verses one of the key building materials that you and I should use as we seek to build a church. In humility, we should share the gospel with others, uh, without a concern for eloquence, for, for necessarily uh, how, how important we sound. We should share the gospel and rely upon the power of God. You see, it's the humble witness of believers to others that causes the church to grow. It is the humble sharing of the gospel of you and me that causes the church to grow. You should not rely upon those who you think are eloquent to make the church grow. You should not rely upon those who you think are, are learned or intelligent to cause the church to grow. You should rely upon the gospel. Listen, I have, I, have, I have worked with people with PhDs who know the Bible left and right. I have worked with people, I have interacted with people with great wisdom, with great understanding, with great eloquence, and the simple gospel witness of a layperson is far more effective. You may not believe that, but it's true. The simple gospel witness of a layperson sitting down with someone saying, hey, can I tell you what Jesus did for me? Can I tell you how he changed my life? That is far more effective in building the church of God than knowledge or eloquence. One of the building materials that Paul wants the church of Corinth to use and one of the building materials that Paul wants us to use is the simple gospel. There is also a material that Paul would have us to use, if I can use that word material, but it is the, it is the Spirit's power. If you will look at 1 Corinthians chapter 2, look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 2. In verses 1 through 5, Paul is going to talk about the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. Chapter 2, verses 1 through 5, listen to what he says. And I... When I came to you, brothers, did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of God with lofty speech or wisdom, which we take to mean Paul was not necessarily an impressive speaker who spoke with, with the knowledge or the wisdom of the Greeks. For I decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my message were not implausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Do you see what Paul is saying there? 
Paul is saying that one of the building materials that I used when I came to you was simply a reliance upon the Spirit of God. Now, when Paul showed up in Corinth, uh, New Testament scholars will tell you he was in a very bad emotional state. He didn't have it all together. He was not, um, he was not this strong, impressive apostle that we often think about when we, when we envision the Apostle Paul. But he relied upon the Spirit's power to cause the gospel to spread. A lot of times with our culture, we think that in order to give an impressive gospel witness or to build the church, that we have to look a certain way or that we have to be uh, impressive in our demeanor or impressive as far as how, uh, how we should look as a, as a believer. And yet Paul says, no, I've simply relied upon the Spirit's power. Verse 4, demonstration of the Spirit's power. Verse 5, God's power. Paul is directing the church at Corinth away from people, away from personalities, away from human ability, to the power of God. What are weak building materials that some people are using in our day? What are some, what are some materials that, that sometimes the church, I think well-meaning, uses today in order to grow the church, other than the gospel, other than the spirit? Well, sometimes we get pulled into uh, churches that are large, churches that have grown, uh, sometimes uh, bad elements of, of like the church growth movement, although that has many possible uh, positive features. There can be negative features of this movement. Um, and we sometimes look at other churches and we think to grow like them, we have to use the methods that they used. And sometimes those ideas might include uh, the idea of just making people happy. You know, really, the purpose of the church is just to make people happy. And so if we can design a service, if we can design a program that makes moms happy, dads happy, people just feel good about themselves, we'll grow the church. And you know what? There are, there are churches growing by leaps and bounds because people feel good when they walk out. I don't want to deny that. But that's not the idea that we're to build the church on. There is this, this idea called the prosperity gospel. I've mentioned this to you before. Some of you are familiar with this. It simply means that uh, there are, are some who are teaching that uh, to be a Christian, to be a good Christian, and when you become a Christian, life will be good. You'll be prosperous. You'll be wealthy. Uh, you won't get sick. And if maybe there are bad things that happen in your life, if you're not as wealthy as you should be, if, if you're sick or you have cancer, something must be wrong with your faith. And the prosperity gospel... It is, it is causing some churches to grow by leaps and bounds. I don't deny that. And we as Christians might look at that and say, wow, if we really want the church to grow, why don't we just tell people only the good things about the Christian life and not mention suffering, not mention the difficulties that we might have to endure. There's another thought, there's another idea in our culture that it sometimes finds its way in the church of God, within the church itself. And it's this idea of, that God will allow you to remain how you are. There's no, there's no call for a change in how you live. There's no call in a change as far as ethically how you live. You just say you love Jesus, and you can live pretty much any way you want. There's no, there's no call for people to submit their lives to Scripture, whether that's homosexual practice, homosexual marriage, other things that, that clash with, with the Bible and our culture. Just live any way you want. And you know what? Some churches are growing. Some, some, some places of worship are growing because they're relying upon that idea. 
But Paul makes very clear that it is not worldly philosophies through which the church truly grows. It is the Spirit. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So how can you and I take care that the church grows? All I can do is point you back to the simple gospel. All I can do is point you back to a reliance upon the Spirit's power. You may not see the visible growth in your lifetime that you see other churches or so-called churches. You may not see your numbers increase. And yet in the kingdom of God, as God reckons growth, as God measures growth, you will see biblical growth when you rely upon the Spirit's power and when you trust the gospel, the gospel alone, to be the material that you use. And so Paul is pointing the Corinthians back to the gospel. He is pointing us to the gospel. He is pointing the Corinthians to the Spirit's power. He, he, is, he is pointing us all to these, these, these perfect building materials, these imperishable materials. Paul said the church, says the church should be built with imperishable materials. But there is a third and a final statement that I think summarizes well what the Apostle Paul says here. Not only does Paul say the church should be built on Jesus Christ, not only does Paul say the church should be built with imperishable materials such as the gospel and reliance upon the Spirit's power, but Paul says the church should be built with God's evaluation in mind. The church should be built with God's evaluation in mind. Look back at chapter 3, verses 13 through 15. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 15. And listen to what the Apostle Paul says. 1 Corinthians chapter, chapter 3, verse 13, I beg your pardon. Paul says, each one's work will become manifest or clear for the day, and I want you to notice in my ESV Bible, the word day is capitalized. Is it capitalized in yours? So that's significant. So he says, each, one will become, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each one has done and the work that anyone has built on the if the work that anyone has done has built on the foundation survives he will receive a reward if anyone's work is burned up he will suffer loss though he himself will be saved but only through fire according to the apostle paul the church should be built with god's evaluation in mind now i pointed out to you a moment ago in verse 13 there's a word day uh, you find this throughout the Apostle Paul's writings. Sometimes it's called the day. Uh, sometimes it's called the day of the Lord. But it refers to that time when God will test the quality of each believer's work. It is important because it refers not to a future day of judgment when uh, one is determined either a Christian or not a Christian, but it refers to a testing time for believers. This reference today in verse 13 speaks of God's evaluation of the church when he will evaluate the works of his people. Romans chapter 2 verse 16 references this. Uh, Paul says, on that day God will judge the secrets of men through Jesus Christ. But what does this mean for our passage this day? Well, according to Paul, the day will come when God will test our contribution, our contribution to building the church. And it will be tested by the fire of God's judgment. All believers, you see, are servants of God. And one day God will test their work. He will evaluate their work in regard to building the church. 
if they have built the church on a bad foundation, a foundation other than Jesus, if they have used cheap and shoddy material, anything other than the spirit or the gospel, our work will disintegrate as it passes through the fire of God's judgment. But if we build a foundation on Jesus Christ, if we build the church with the right materials, our work will stand and we will receive a reward. Now, I don't want you to misunderstand what Paul is saying here. Paul is not saying that a believer's salvation is based on works. He is not teaching that. Okay? That's not the gospel that Paul preaches. Paul is not saying that our salvation is based on our works. And Paul is not saying that we will lose our salvation if somehow our work is bad or if we build on the wrong foundation. Rather, Paul is saying that there will one day come a time when God will judge our work. He will evaluate our work. And if we have built on the foundation of Christ, if we have built using the, the good materials of the gospel and the spirit, he will reward us. Now, it's interesting, Paul does not tell us what that reward is. But he seems to imply here and elsewhere that there are some believers who will receive a greater reward and there are some believers who will receive a less reward. They both receive salvation. But there is a greater reward for some. There is a loss of reward for others. It sounds strange to us. Paul doesn't elaborate it on it a great deal, but this is what Paul teaches. In fact, Paul talks about it just a little bit more in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Let's look there just for a moment. I won't spend a lot of time on that, but, but I do want to show you what Paul says in regard to his own ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 4, uh, we'll start with verse 1. Listen to what he says. This is how we should regard us as servants of Christ. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. Moreover, it is required of stewards that they be found faithful. But with me, it is of a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I do not even judge myself. For I am not aware of anything against myself, but I am not thereby acquitted. It is the Lord who judges me. Therefore, do not pronounce judgment before the time, before the Lord comes, who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of the heart, then each one will receive his commendation or his reward from God. See, I wish that Paul elaborated more on this idea of God evaluating our work, of giving rewards or lessening rewards, but Paul doesn't. But he teaches this very clearly here in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and also in 1 Corinthians chapter 4. Paul suggests that there is coming a day when our work in building the church will be evaluated and God will either reward us or hold back a reward depending upon the materials we used or the foundation that we relied upon. How do we build God's church with his future evaluation in mind? I don't know about you, but maybe you're sitting there and you're asking, how do I build God's church correctly? How do I build God's church rightly? And I've told you about the gospel, I've told you about the spirit, but how do we build it with care? How do we do this? How do we respond based upon this idea that we will one day be evaluated? Well, I think, first of all, we don't live in fear. A lot of times when Christians hear what I just shared with them, there is this response of fear. Am I building the church rightly? Am I, am I using the right materials? Am I going to lose my reward? I mean, that's what we really want to know, right? Are we going to lose our reward? Are we going to gain a reward? But that's not how you and I should respond to what the Apostle Paul says here. You see, God does not want his people to live in fear based upon what is here in his word. There should be conviction 
right? There should be a reverence or a respect and a turning from our current path if we're not doing as we should. But God would have us rather to respond by being faithful, by being wise, by trying to be careful, showing discernment. You see, we should go back to the Word, and we should ask ourselves, and we we should pray to God and ask as well, Lord, will you show me how to build a church on the foundation of Jesus Christ? If there is any way, Lord, that I'm not building on Jesus, if I'm building on a personality, or if I'm building on human ability, or, or knowledge, or wisdom, or talent, God, move me away from those things and show me how I can build on Jesus Christ. That's how God wants you to respond. God also wants you to respond not with fear, not with worry, not with just wallowing in guilt, but God would also have you go to him and say, Lord, how can I use the right materials? Help me to know the simple gospel and help me to share the simple gospel. And God, help me to rely upon the power of the Spirit And Lord, not upon my own ability. And not to be swayed by fear when I share. Not to be be engulfed, Lord, with what other people think or overly concerned with what they think. But God, just submit myself to the Spirit and share as you allow me to share. You see, this is how God wants us to respond, knowing of the judgment that is to come. God's people are not to live in fear. God's people are to live in joy and anticipation of the day when he will come or we will go to meet him not in fear, not in worry. He would have us to be faithful. He would have us to be discerning. He would have us to be wise and strive to build the church as he guides us to build the church, as he directs us to build the church. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, Paul tells the church at Corinth to build the church with care. That's a message for them. It's also a message for us. We should strive to build the church with care. It's not just the pastors who build the church with care. It's not just the elders or the deacons or the Sunday school teachers. It's the entire church that is to build God's church with care. We should build upon the foundation of Jesus Christ. We should build using the right building materials. And finally, we should build with a recognition that there is an evaluation to come. The day will come when you and I will give an account for how we built the church of God. Not just the leaders, not just the preachers or the missionaries, But every believer will give an account for how we allow God and how we allow the Spirit to help us build the church with care. Christian, are you building the church with care this morning? Or is building the church, has it even been on your radar screen the past few months? I don't know about you, but but sometimes I can get so consumed with work. I can get so consumed with family. I can get so consumed with projects I have, with things I want to accomplish that building God's church gets off my radar screen. I'll just be real honest with you. Could it be that God's Spirit is is speaking to your heart this morning, believer, and he's saying, I want this first and foremost on your agenda, building the church with care, making Jesus Christ the foundation, and using the only appropriate materials, the gospel, and reliance upon the Spirit. Maybe you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And I've, I've spoken this morning about that day of judgment. And it's not a day that believers have to fear and worry about because God has promised them salvation, regardless of their reward in regard to building. God has promised them salvation and eternal life based upon who Jesus is and what he has done for them. 
But for those who do not know Christ as Lord and Savior, the Bible makes very clear that that day of judgment will not be a pleasant day. It will be a day where you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ, and he will say, if you are not a believer, away from me, I've never known you. Depart from me, I don't know you. And what that means is you will not share eternal life with him, but you will face an eternal judgment apart from him in hell. All of us will be evaluated one day. All of us will be called to give an account of how we responded to the word that God has given this day. If you're a believer, strive to build the church with care. If you're not a believer, listen to the Spirit as he speaks to you. Surrender to Jesus Christ. Repent of your sin. Place your faith in him. He died for you. He gives you, he offers you that gift of eternal life. You need only to respond in faith and repentance. Would you pray with me? Father, we're thankful for what the Apostle Paul shares here in your word. God, it's so counter to our culture. It's so counter to our day. Lord, we live in a day and a time where people are impressed with, with personalities, with gifts. Lord, they're not impressed, Lord, with the simple gospel. It is foolishness, Lord, to the Greeks of our day. It, 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 is, it is something, Lord, that it just doesn't make sense to them. Father, I pray that you would help believers who are here this day to see and love and to appreciate, Lord, the work that you have called them to anew. God, help them to see, Lord, that they're to build the church with care. Lord, they're not to rely or expect only pastors or missionaries or others to do that. But God, they're to ask themselves, Lord, how can I be used of you by your spirit to build the church with care in the days that you've given me? Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.